You're listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of Syracuse Athletics. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. Joining us today is a very special guest as we continue our trip through Jim Beheim's coaching career at Syracuse University leading up to Saturday's uh, big ceremony at the Dome on February 24th. Uh, we have a member of Jim Beheim's first recruiting class as a head coach, a guy who was you know, part of that first freshman class, along with Roosevelt Bowie and Lewis Orr. Dr. Hal Cohen is joining us today. Hal, it's, uh, it's great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is a special uh, week leading up to Coach Beheim's uh, um, day, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to today. Yeah, I was wondering, have you been uh, talking with former teammates or any other former Syracuse players who yeah. are you know, making plans on coming into town? Yeah, I'm, I'm coming up, and uh, I've been trying to get a hold of people to see who, you know, who else is coming up. It'll be a nice, re nice reunion. You know, we used to have uh, alumni days, you know, back in the old days, you know, when as we'll get into it, but Coach Beheim, you know, a lot of the recruits were local, you know, Rochester and Utica and Buffalo and – New York and Binghamton type thing. And then you graduate and you stayed around town, you know, and then, so when you had alumni games, everybody was there, but now everybody goes to the pros. So nobody, <laughs> it's hard to get an alumni game. So I'm looking forward to it. What's the first thing you think of when you think to uh, Jim Beheim as a coach, especially as a coach, when you're coming into the program. So really he's going to be a first time head coach. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, now looking back, it just—it's just been an amazing career for him, and uh, I'm very happy for him that uh, now he can relax a little bit. And uh, and uh, I got involved with uh, the Syracuse basketball early on because um, you know back in the day there was no AAU, and so you went to the camp. So I went to the Big Orange camp, and um, um, it was the right coach Danforth was the coach, but. Coach Beheim really kind of ran the camp and he was looking at all the players and Coach Danforth would come in and give a lecture and go somewhere. I don't know where he, where he went, but um, so anyway, we, we kind of knew him the best. And uh, so my sophomore year and junior, I went to camp there and um, I actually signed to go to uh, Syracuse with Coach Danforth. And, um, and then I guess when uh, uh, Coach Beheim uh, became the head coach, I guess he had to sort of re-recruit me, which I, I just got this call and saying, uh, hey, uh, this is Coach Beheim. Do you, you still want to come to Syracuse? And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, was my, that was my recruiting process. So, no, but uh, no, really just, I mean, amazing uh, career for him. And um, I mean, I'm not only on, on the court, but uh, off the court with all those uh, philanthropic uh, uh, activities and um so I'm. It's just. Uh, I'm. I'm very happy for him, and uh, he's. He's just done an amazing job. What was he like as a coach back then? Was he. A, was he strict? Was he a player's coach? Because he's <laughs> first time head coach. I don't know whether he's going to be strict or. or yeah. No. He's so young and knows all you guys on a different level. Maybe he's more of a player's coach. Yeah. No. I. I don't. You know. I. I think when people think of him as a. A uh, fiery guy. Well, we we'll get into a couple of fiery moments later on, but uh, I think in general he was very well organized, had great practices, and I think he delegated a, a lot of the 
you know, we had great assistant coaches, Coach uh, Fine, Coach Patino, Coach Malone. Um, so, you know, that was all kind of broken up, and he was kind of overseeing things, which I think actually turned out to be a great thing because I think as a head coach, trying to be best friends with everybody, you know, to try to keep everybody happy is a hard thing to do. So if you can kind of get the assistant coaches to kind of handle, you know, like Coach Patino was with the guards, Coach Fine was with the centers, and and so, um, you know, he, at least for me, at least the first few years, it was very easy, kind of easy going. And then, um, and then um, we got into some things with the referees and, and, and sports writers. Uh, we got into that pretty early on and uh, which we can get into at some point here, but uh, I, I don't remember him, you know, I mean, it's a long time ago, but I don't really remember him yelling at me or or you know maybe got on other people or but I, I really don't remember him being that that way or if you made a mistake you yanked you out of the game at that at that time I don't remember him you know he's, he was pretty easy, easy going and kind of figured things out and and it was nice to see him I mean he actually you know looking back how he kind of evolved over those even the four first four years and uh, um and it was, I mean, it was very kind of professional, like, you know, it was, uh, you know, you come to come to practice and you, you had the, the routine down and, uh, um, and, um, you know, you, you broke things down early, you know, you know, very, very organized. And, um, and then, you know, he's just a very smart guy. And, uh, and I, looking back, I, I see how he, he learned, you know, through, through each year, there was always some controversy, you know. Um, you know, the first year he had to figure out, you know, he's got this really uh, freshman year. He had a lot of good players, senior players, but he also had a lot of freshmen coming in that were, you know, he wanted that were kind of his players, um, although he had recruited the other players. But he had to figure out how to how to get, you know, through that of, of getting the right pieces, you know, and mm -hmm. and, uh, and he, I, I think he now looking back, he made the right choices of who should be playing and who, who shouldn't be playing. And, and then you get into the that was the freshman year, and the sophomore year. It was the whole controversy about the we had played Magic Johnson and um, we beat them in the carrier class. You've probably heard this story, but it's a know, good one. Go they ahead. Went, they went to uh. <laughs> Uh, we won the game. Marty Burns was our best player, and he he got 20 points and 10 rebounds, and we won. And you, uh, he was the obvious pick for the MVP, and they picked Magic Johnson. And it turns out the writers were the ones that voted. So the writers at Syracuse had voted for it, and then that was a big uh, to-do about the writers and the press conference, that one. Then we go out to uh, – For the record – I, yeah. I was I was not covering the team. In oh, 78. You weren't you, so. weren't you weren't born yet. <laughs> I was born, but I wasn't covering the team. <laughs> okay, just so we know, uh, Jim Jim got mad at me several times over the years, but the Magic Johnson game was not won. <laughs> so then we go out to New Mexico, who's got this unbelievable team, mm -hmm. and they got uh, Michael Cooper, and um, you know they're flying around Duncan. It, it's just we haven't seen that before. You know, eighteen thousand some people in, in this pit. You know, with uh, crazy people. You know, just fanatic people. And it was just, and we end up we went end up winning. And um, and um, same thing happens. Marty Burns twenty points, ten rebounds, and they give the MVP to 
uh, Michael Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, one last one uh, at the end of the year, you know, this is just amazing how you now looking back, uh, how you the coaches, this got to be a crazy business to be in. And uh, um, although my father was a coach and my daughter's a coach now, so now I can, I can relate a little bit better, but uh, so we're playing with, in an NCAA tournament and um, we got the ball. We're in overtime because Western Kentucky team, we should have beaten. And um, Mark, Marty Burns goes in for a shot, gets fouled. Guy, the referee calls a foul. And then he's got to, uh, to put us up one. And then he's got a, a shot to put us up two with a free throw with like two seconds left. The game, the game would be over. And so the ref calls. Another ref comes running in and says, no, no, no. He was fouled before he, you know, there's all this, you know, he was fouled before he shot. So therefore the basket doesn't count, but we're going to, but he was fouled. So we'll give you a one-on-one. Oh. And unfortunately we, Marty, we, we didn't make the shot and we ended up losing, but can you imagine that? And so that was another little controversial thing. So we got to, you know, that's a tough, tough thing. And now I know as a coach, you know, just to lose a game is just, it's, it's unbelievably it's tough. So that was my first experience with him and, and the writers and, and, the, and the referees. And, but, uh, how did he, ha how did Jim react to that call? How did he handle it? Both either right there on the court or do you remember how, like after the game? Well, I mean, I remember the, the you know the thing about the 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 writers. I, re, I mean, I rem, I mean the MVP business. I mean, just from reading the you know the sure. reports and the, I, I don't remember him. And I it's hard to remember about the locker rooms you know situation, but uh, I remember now reading about the the games and that whole situation about the referees. And what was funny was reading about how uh, Bob Schneider and uh, I forget who else was writing. They they. Um, they came home, they flew home and they, you know, back, that, back then they didn't have, you know, obviously there's no, you know, cell phones and no internet and they, they went back and put the reel to reel in or something to watch the, watch that last play again to see what the whole call was on. Unfortunately, it was, we, we lost. <laughs> <laughs> and you yeah, mentioned, of course, Bob Snyder there. Bob Snyder, I worked with him uh, at the paper for several years before he retired. Uh, he was with the Herald Journal back in the day. And he told he used to tell me the stories about that press conference after the Magic Johnson game. Yeah. No, right? that, that got heated. And then there was this stories, you know, an editorial thing going on, and then the response to the editorial, then the response to the response. And <laughs> so that went, that was the beginning of, oh, I, but the thing is, from a player standpoint, that was great. He's fighting, he's fighting for you, you know. Hmm. Although people may not look at Coach Bam and say, hey, you know, you know, that's not his personality with the players and stuff, you know, to be the buddy buddy, you know. He, he fought for the players, you know, he fought for his team and for, you know, and uh, for, for our standpoint though, that, that was great. But, um, which I will, can I, can I fast forward a little bit to the, the senior year? Please. Cause I'm going to get there eventually. But yeah. If you're on your, let's go senior year. I, I know we're more. I, 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 I just, in terms of his fiery fieriness. Yes. Um, but now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to also show you a, a softer side of him a moment. 
because we had a moment together. Okay, let's go with Fiery first, senior year. Okay, fire. Yeah, Since 1980. I hope he's not going to watch this, though. No. Nah. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go see him in a week after, or two weeks. <laughs> I'm, he's down in Boca. I'm, I'm in Florida. We're, we're going to go to his, uh, his uh, conference. He's, having, he's meeting with some people, you know, he's, he's touring Florida. And giving and giving talks and representing uh, Syracuse. So, my wife and I are going to go down and uh, talk to him. So, if this doesn't turn out well, maybe I won't go. But uh, <laughs> so, you know, the the senior year was, you know, now looking back, I we didn't, I didn't guess I didn't appreciate it at the time. But you know, we were, you know, number, you know, close to becoming number one in the country. Um, we were fourteen and zero, uh, and we. Um, we um, lost the game. We were up by 13, I guess, Old Dominion. But anyway, mm -hmm. we, we would have been number one because whoever was one lost. So anyway, we get to the Big East. You know, we got the, that was the first year of the Big East. And um, looking back, we, there were eight games where we were behind at halftime. We ended up winning. Wow. Which then reminded me of a story that uh, – one and I can remember the game. I remember the game. So this, you know, to verify this, it was the uh, Rutgers game at Rutgers. We we're down at halftime, and Boston College. We were um, down by 17 points in the first half, and then we get to the halftime, and we call it the um, halftime discussions. And now I wondered. I was always wondered how we came back from all those games. And Coach Beheim was holding uh, a clipboard, and in these in these nice discussions after we were playing horribly in the first half, the uh, clipboard magically fell out of his hand and and flew <laughs> against the wall opposite him. And I remember it because I was kind of in the area, and uh, I had some pretty good reflexes and. Um, but anyway, we went on to win uh, those both of those games, in particular the Boston College game, down by 17. And, and then I saw that we had won eight other games, and um, I, I remembered that uh, that those stories of the, the the flying clipboard. Now, to young coaches out there, this is not a license to throw clipboards. <laughs> just, just no, because. no, no. I I don't think he he didn't throw it. It just fell, and then went. That then went horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> so he could get fired up during he could get fired up during those uh, those half times. And again, we came back, you know, eight times in uh, that that year. And you know, I was uh... so anyway. Those uh, those are some uh, great memories of the of uh, Coach Beheim. You know, you took us to your senior year. So that means I, I have to do this. I have to ask you about the Georgetown game at mm. Manley Fieldhouse. You guys have that long home court winning streak. This is the game that's going to end with Georgetown winning and John Thompson giving us the, the famous line, or infamous if you're a Syracuse fan, Manley Fieldhouse is officially closed. Yeah. And I was just wondering how that went over in the, you know, how Jim handled that in the locker room. What, what that, what, how did he approach that? As a coach, well, because I think one thing people forget that did not end the season. Yeah, you guys had three more regular season games left, all on the road, obviously, and then a postseason to play. So, 
yeah, there's there's a there's a loss, but at the same time, he's got to keep you guys pointed forward, right? Yeah, I mean uh, that was obviously devastating to lose like that because we were up. I think we were up again that game. I think we might have been up ten or eleven, you know, earlier on, and and uh, they kind of slipped away. And uh, um, so I found I I to be honest, I don't remember. I don't think he. I think. Like you said, I think he was more. He was pretty good about focusing on what what was coming up, and obviously he was very disappointed as we were all were. And um, but then now looking back, you know, it's like wow, we were there. We were there when this whole Big East thing started, and um, and nobody really knew what that was all about. But I think he handled. I, I don't. I mean, obviously, I I never saw him. You know you know, yelling at somebody and blaming anybody. I don't remember ever doing that um, or saying, we, you know, maybe we should have done this or we should have done that. But, um, um, yeah, we had these other games, which was, I don't know, uh, those who were around at that time. We actually, yeah, you're right. We had to – this was the first year of the Big East. There was, mm -hmm. I think, seven teams. So um, we had to go to uh, St. John's the, the next game at St. John's, who was very good. Um, and Lewis Orr made a, a layup at the buzzer, which was controversial. So those, sometimes those things even out. And uh, we got a call. We got a call. Uh, Rosie, I mean, Lou made the layup and got fouled. They said it was a charge. Obviously, we thought it was a, the right call. <laughs> and uh, so we ended up winning uh, that game. And then we got to go to this 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 Boston College game. At Boston College, mm -hmm. who we were supposed to be, and we got way behind. And Coach Beheim, you know, figured it out they had like three guards, little guards that were quick, and we and we had you know big big guys, and so he kind of went to a three guard offense, kind of changed the game, and and we ended up winning that game. So we ended up tying for the first Big East, uh, you know, title. You know, with us and Georgetown and St. John's, we tied. Then they had a, a coin flip to determine who would be the number one seed, uh, and we won. The, we won the coin flip, so we ended up going again and ended up facing Georgetown in the finals, and we, and we lost again. So uh, that yeah, was tough. I bet. I bet. But the other thing I think about Coach Beheim, he, he had the weight of. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to ask him this myself. Okay. I never talked to him about it, but uh, he had the weight of the you know, for him personally, of coaching that team, you know, to, for his own personal, you know, like people thinking, you know, who's this guy, you know, coming in and his assistant coach now, you know, we were supposed to get, I think they were trying to get some, you know, all these great coaches to come in, but they didn't come. And so he had to prove that he could coach. Okay. And so they had that pressure. But then we became good. We became the, what, the best team in the East. And so you had the pressure of, representing the east you know what i mean like he you know so he had the, that and and because they're always saying they have the big east, i mean not the big east but the eastern coast teams are not not that good they they're these independent schools they kind of mm -hmm. you know play and that's a great schedule da, 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 you know so so he had that pressure and then i think one of the biggest games was the uh purdue game our senior year say another senior year game yeah where it was Rosie against Joe Barry Carroll was the big offensive center and Rosie was the center, you know, and it was, you know, 
national uh, televised games were not on, you know, you maybe one, you know, once a week you'd have a game, you know, on TV. So people weren't watching and not knowing about teams. And this was the national televised game, and and we end up we win won the game, and that was just a great recognition not only for Syracuse, but you were representing you know the, the Big East or the Eastern basketball. So that was you know all these things that you never thought about as when you're playing. You know you know <laughs> as a player you don't really think about any of these things what the coaches think. So. I know we're here talking about Jim Beheim uh, mainly because we're leading up to Jim Beheim's uh, uh, recognition day at the Dome on February 24th. But I got to ask you a couple of questions. What was it like back in those days to play in front of the Manly Zoo? Hmm. Oh, it was the best. It yeah. was the best. <laughs> you know, as I was saying before, I was, you know, in preparation for this uh, talk, I was going back and kind of looking through some uh, articles and stuff. And it just, I got there's some pictures of, of like fans like like on the court <laughs> yelling at the referees, you know, I mean, like two inches away from there, you know, and, um, you know, the, you, as a player, that was just amazing. The packed house right there. Everybody is, you know, right on top of you. And uh, that was just a really special place to play. And and obviously that I think we won, you know, a lot of those games because of that. You know, the fans were – and obviously Syracuse fans from day one were, you know, fantastic, you know, and just – it was just incredible. And this was, uh, you know, we I think it was 57 games in a row or whatever it was, but mm -hmm. I think they probably won five of them, you know, just just the way – no, I mean, they, it makes you, you want to – obviously it gives you, you the adrenaline rush of, of, you know, when things are going great. And, and then the referees, you know, if I'm going to call charge, I think, yeah, that was a charge on the other team. You know, you know, with the fans going crazy. So, yeah, I'd like to get um, out of here alive. Yeah, that was it was funny because I was on a, a committee or something my senior year or something. They were talking. About, they got all these people around, uh, you know, the athletic director and the, whoever and, um, and going around in a circle to asking, you know, hey, do you think this dome idea is a good idea? You know, and I'm, and I'm thinking I'm thinking. I don't know, you know, I mean. 10,000, you know, because the most we could get at Manly was, I think, 9,500 9, or something. And I was thinking, I don't know, 9,500 9, people in a in a building that holds 50,000. I, I don't know. I'm not sure this is going to work. <laughs> yeah, right? Yes. <laughs> so uh, who knew that, you know, 30, you know, 30, 35,000 people would show up. So, you know. So that was, yeah, look was at crowds like that, uh, like, you know, when you were here, uh, when, when you see the crowds that showed up at the Dome there in like the, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and, and wish that you had played in front of that kind of crowd? Or did you like your Manly Fieldhouse experience and didn't want to go? I love Manly. I love Manly. I bet you everybody that you talked to, just that, that was just a special place. And um, and just, uh, I just remember, you know, I lived in Shaw Hall, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, a corner of Comstock there in, in Euclid. And uh, um, and I just remember, I would, I mean, just like walking, I, you know, go to the game and you know, I walk down the man, I'm walking the man, I got my sneakers around my, you know, like tied around, you know, I got my sneakers and just walking down with like thousands, uh, you know, people, you know, this is like, I'm going early to get to the game. And, uh, uh, you know, there's all these people just, you know, amongst everybody just going down and, Going to just walking to the game, everybody talking and excited. You know, just a it was just a special thing. And that's but, pretty cool. 
Yeah, no, that was that was fun. I, can I throw in a, a drumlin story? Sure, I'd love to hear it. Well, how much time have we got? <laughs> All the time we want. It's great. <laughs> now, was, uh, you know, now, this is a little bit different side of Coach Bam, although this isn't that special moment. But uh, um, he he was, you know, we used to go to Drumlin's uh, for our pregame meal, like at three or something like that. And, you know, we had steak, you know, we had this, whatever we had. And I was like, oh, this is great, you know. Cut up half of it, save it for later, you know. And um, um, But he would always um, – show the game film of like who we were playing against or, um, you know, or maybe it was the last game we played or something. And he, Coach Bayheim would, he just loved, this was, this is the comical side of Coach Bayheim. He just loved the, you know, the real, the real, so he could go forward and backwards, you know. So you'd be playing like the last game and you, you'd trip over the, the half court line, you know what I mean? With nobody around, you just fell. You know, or you tripped or you did something, you know, that you didn't want anybody to see, you know. And he would he would hone right in on that one, you know, like you so you'd be falling and he'd go forward, then he'd go backwards. And, you know, he'd show you going forward to the back, you know, falling down uh, with nobody around, you know, and he would say something like, you know, yeah, and don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? But he just loved that. It gives him control and stuff. And so that was fun. And um, and then man and and Drummond's was, uh, you know, obviously it was that was a great place for us to go and then go to the game. And uh, but. okay, we got to go back to your high school. You come out oh. of Canton. Oh got, yes, right. Yes. Um, who else recruited you? I mean, because I know Canton's a recruiting hotbed. Well, the, the story is, yeah, Canton, New York. Yes, great, best place, best town in the country, best place to grow up. Great people, great teachers, great school, and just special place, very special. So my father was a basketball college coach at a junior college, Canton, ATC was called at the time. So he actually coached against Coach Beheim. So Coach, when Coach Beheim was the freshman coach uh, at Syracuse, mm-hmm. my father's team always played the freshman team from Cornell and Colgate and, and uh, was on the schedule. So they, they kind of knew each other. And Coach Bam, you know, he, he forget. He, I mean, when he first started coaching, he was maybe 32. Yes, he was very um, young. Yeah, he was young. Yeah, he was young. And um, I mean, although he had been coaching, you know, the assistant coach and freshman, you know, that kind of thing. But so they kind of knew each other. And then that's how the I got um, to Syracuse for the Syracuse camp through that kind of connection. And so. I think my father said, "I got there's this kid up here in in, uh, in northern New York that I think can play for you know for you." And he said, "Who's that?" <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know. What was your question again? Well, I was going to get to you know who else recruited you. I oh, mean, did oh, Syracuse oh. have any competition? Well, I mean, Saint, I was came down to uh, uh, Syracuse, uh, Potsdam State, and uh, Saint Lawrence. No. Uh, the only ones that the only other people that re, uh, recruited me were uh, St. Lawrence had a player that went to Dartmouth, who became an assistant coach there, and he told the coach there, so I went there to, to visit. Okay. Um, Davidson College, and the reason I went to Davidson College at the was the uh, athletic director at St. Lawrence. <laughs> you know, I so I used to go up to St. Lawrence and play against the college players a lot or all the time. 
and um, and he went to Davidson. He became the athletic director at Davidson. So I, so we, we went there, and uh, and I don't know how and Duke, and, but Duke wasn't Duke wasn't Duke. That's now Duke. You know, I mean, they were they were kind of in the lower half of the ACC at that time, and um, and somehow that was the other one that was looking at or something. But uh, on my um, we used to go to Florida for my. Uh, my grand to my grandparents' house over winter break, and um, and my senior year, uh, we would stopped at Syracuse to watch a game. And I don't really really remember. And them saying, I at the you know I I assume they were interested, but I didn't know for sure. And but when I got there, uh, Coach Danforth said, "Hey, can you come into the office for a second? And my father and I were there, and said, "Yeah, okay." And um, um, he said, well, we have five guards in mind for this coming year. We need – they're losing some players. and But we, we're going to take two of those five. And whoever – we don't want somebody that we're the third choice. We want somebody that their first choice. Oh, okay. And, um, so the first two that will – said they'll come, you know, then. So that's how I, I said yes, you know. So – so that was how I got recruited to Syracuse, but there really was no other, I mean, nobody really, you know, actually, I, uh, I'm saying who the coach in Miami, who's the coach in Miami? Um, Laranaga. Laranaga, right. So he, you know, I, for some reason, oh, cause he was at Davidson at the time. That's right. Oh, okay. So he was like 23, you know, 22 or 23. And so he drives, I'm sure he flew into Syracuse and, and came up to Canton, you know, it's two and a half hours north of Syracuse. So he actually came and, and went to watch me play. And, and we, there was nobody, it was in the summer, there was nobody around. So we had to like scramble to get like five other people to play three on three so he could see me play. You know? So I don't know if that was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, so in, in summary, uh, really with Syracuse, uh, and I and because I followed Syracuse, and Jimmy Lee was my hero, and uh, Jimmy, I hope I hope you're watching this, Jim. And so he was my hero, and uh, you know, so Syracuse, uh, I always wanted to go to Syracuse. Wow, speaking of Jimmy Lee, we know he's a great free throw shooter, but you famously, Ooh. you famously made 598 straight free throws after a, one of your high school practices is that right yes it is it is right I, I i i almost forgot about that uh <laughs> i mean how long did that take well uh it was about how an hour start <laughs> it was about an hour and a half um you know at the end of practice as i think a lot of coaches do they you um um they you know he said shoot everybody take 25 foul shots and then go home, you know, go shower, go home. And, um, but so I was doing my 25 and we had, as players, we had this th thing that if you make the last shot of your 25th, shoot, yeah, yeah, shoot till you miss, you know, take, you know, shoot a couple more and then, you know, then you miss and you go. But if you, if you made the 25th, you, you keep shooting. So I did. So I kept shooting and, um, they just kept going in, and then you know how my arm just, just kind of got you know you get stuck, and and uh, ended up making 598 in a row, and uh, we had about you know then it was at the end of school, and 
you know, you, the late buses, you had to, you know, wait for the bus. So all the people would come into the gym um, to wait for, to, you know, it was cold up in Canton. So we, we wait in the gym and, and the bus drivers, you know, they're wondering where, where is everybody? So they came in and then somehow word, word must've got out, you know, it's a small town. There's no internet. There's no, but somebody, I don't know how it happened, but somehow it got onto the WPDM, the local, you know, the radio station. Somehow that guy, the guy that was a sports guy, Con Elliott, somehow he got, he came and, and, and then other people were coming and there, you know, ended up being about a hundred people in the gym, you know, when I was shooting and, um, and so I'm, um, I guess I didn't think much of it. And um, I mean, I mean, I figured if I did it, yeah, I'm sure somebody's done it, you know. And then we, I came to school the next day and uh, uh, um, my uh, principal was sitting in the hallway taking the names of everybody uh, who was there. Cause, and he said, you know, what's going, you know, well, I don't know if you know, back in those days, they had this place where they had all these books called the library. <laughs> so somebody went up there and there was this book that said, um, um, you know, Bunny Levitt um, made 400, has the world record of 499. So, hey, it was like, oh, wow, you got, you got the world record. And uh, so, uh, and that's how it happened. That's unbelievable. And, well, then there's a little bit more to the story. So fast forward a week later, or maybe a couple of weeks later, some guy, there's a guy in Saint in Florida, uh, St. Martin, his last name is St. Martin or something, um, said, hey, uh, what's what's this about 598? I made 1,700. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, oh. I guess I'm second or third or fourth. Yeah, you held the world record for a week or whatever. We'll, we'll... Yeah, because well, they didn't. Nobody knew about it. You know, I mean, was, <laughs> again, again, there's no internet. So anyway, but that that was early December. So that kind of tied in. You know, that I guess you know that was probably helpful <laughs> in terms of recruiting from a Syracuse standpoint. Maybe you know. So. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you or did oh, you, wait, did wait, you can I tell? Oh, can I tell one more little story? Oh, please! Yeah, I don't get away. I don't want to get away of a good story. Wait a minute! I I gotta wait. I I gotta start a podcast. Wait a minute! Yeah, you do. So, but here's the the best part of the story. So, the next day or two days, the next day we had a game, and um, I I go to the basket and I get fouled. You know, now you know we got this. My gym's got small gym and got all these signs. You know, Cohen five ninety eight. Uh, you know, world's, you know, best free throw shooter, greatest person in the world. For my that was for my mother. Uh, <laughs> um, and um, in, um, I ended up um, um, getting fouled and going to the free throw line for two shots. So, Mike, what do you think happened? I have a pretty good feeling. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> clang, clang, two misses. And, I'm, and everybody's like, what? What is this? <laughs> oh my God, that's all. I always, I always use that as an example of what. Um, um, this is practice, and this is a game. You know, not the same. So, how did you, if you watched Syracuse over the years, and you watched your former coach coach for all those years, how were some of the biggest, or what were some of the biggest changes? If you noticed any in him, 
the ch the changes in in his in his coaching approach, or yeah, I don't know if there's you know just did did you see him change over the years? Yeah, I mean, are you talking about the four years I was there? Or no, I'm talking over the oh. forty seven. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that 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 would be difficult. But I, I just from my experience for those four years, I, I just see these subtle adaptations he he makes. You know, of of, of how to, for example, the two three zone. You know, the whole thing about the two three zone. Well, we, when we played, it was we played man and zone. But then I think he 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 learned, and I and I agree with him. Why why do you want to play on the out of bounds plays? Underneath the, you know, well, if you play man, all these teams have all these great plays. You know, you gotta spend all that time <laughs> trying to figure out if this guy goes here, you go there. Da, da, da. He just said that two three, we're just gonna play two three, and on out of bounds plays, mm -hmm. and then um, you know, and then um, then it slowly became, well, wait a minute, you know, all these other teams don't really play a lot against a lot of zones. So, and then. We had these two guards, uh, Hal Cohen and Marty Head, who were not the quickest guys, you know. And we played somebody, uh, uh, maybe I think it was Temple. We were trying to guard these guys, and they were going by us all the time. So like quickly, so Marty and I, I think we we take credit for really amping up the uh, two-three zone and all the time, you know. So we quickly switched to a two-three. So, um, but he always he made the always makes the always seemed to make the right adjustments and um, and. Um, you know, I mean, I just and then obviously from TV, you're watching later on. I'm watching how, you know, how things interactions and stuff. I, you know, that I, I don't remember a lot of that, um, you know, substitutions and stuff like that kind of, you know, back when we played it all. So and you, and you have no idea how many clipboards continued to fall <laughs> in locker rooms, do you? <laughs> no, that fell. That fell. And uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, I, you know, I, I didn't even I, until I went back and looked at it. I, I never realized that we had come back so many times from halftime deficits. And uh, and I mean, there's been so many games since that I can't, you know, it's hard to remember, uh, you know, what kind of adjustments he makes and all that kind of thing. But, uh, I, you know, and then there's the whole recruiting aspect, you know, I mean, um, you know, getting, you know. You know that you know obviously getting the dome and and the combination of um, of getting uh, you know, Pearl Washington and and then Tony well first Tony first that's another thing you had to deal with is how do you deal with a you know Tony Bruin was a freshman when I was a senior how do you deal with someone that you know a great player but wasn't really that ready yet to you know fit into the what his offense and that kind of scheme you know and and but yet he's the, you know, one of the top two players in the country and how to, how to deal with that, you know, type of thing. And, and then have then you got, then maybe that makes it easier for dealing with Pearl Washington, but, you know, obviously he was at a different level, but um, so um, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> That's okay. Cause I got one last question for okay. you before we break away. Okay. Jim Beheim comes to Syracuse from Lions, New York hmm. plays here. He's an assistant coach here. He becomes head coach. He remains head coach for 47 years. When you look back on it, what is Jim Beheim's legacy at Syracuse? Yeah, just an unbelievable career. Um, I think his legacy will be one of the 
greatest basketball coaches and minds uh, of all time at any level. And, um, and maybe even more, more importantly for me was his outstanding contribution to the Syracuse community through his uh, philanthropic work. And, um, uh, and that's, I, you know, I mean, that's been reported on, but to me that, that, that's just amazing. And it's uh, set an example for so many people to do those types of work, you know, through his and Julie's actually uh, work as well. So give Julie a shout out too. So, and uh, I, I think that's what his legacy will be. Well, that that you're right. It, it is an incredible legacy, and it, it, it it's it's hard to sum it all up. But uh, I think you did a great job there. Uh, thank you again for joining us here on the podcast. Um, you know, the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, folks. You can find us here regularly on Syracuse.com or YouTube. Uh, Dr. Hal Cohen, thank you again for joining us, and for everybody else out there. We'll see you next time. Join us next time for the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics.